Welcome to Brose. My name is Matt Casnell, and joining me are Rich Sweeten and Sean O'Brien. This is not the way that we anticipated starting our 100th episode, but we did want to touch on what happened with Jacob Blake and the aftermath of that. Um, As you're probably all aware at this point, Jacob Blake um, is a black man who was uh, shot uh, seven times in the back uh, from close range by uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin police who were responding to the report of a domestic disturbance. Um, Jacob Blake was uh, leaning into his own car uh, in an attempt to break up this alleged domestic disturbance uh, when he was shot in front of his own children. Um, And the reports are that he is paralyzed from the waist down, um, although he is conscious at this point, according to reports. Um, This is, of course, set off another wave of, of protests and demonstrations um, in some cases, uh, property damage and, and rioting um, and a wave of, of statements nationwide. Um, several professional sports teams and athletes um, pulled out of their games or matches this week in response to and to bring attention to uh, once it's police brutality and racial uh, inequality and systemic racism. Once again, um, we talked about these two subjects uh, and everything that surrounds it pretty extensively in Brose session 30, episode 31, episode th- so 30.1, 30.2, and 30.3. Um, and Rich, you also had a conversation with Stephen mm-hmm. Booker that touched on a lot of these subjects. Um, unfortunately, that was only a little under three months ago, and pretty much everything is still very salient and germane to the conversation at this point. Our opinions haven't substantially changed in, in the last two and a half months. So rather than uh, rehash those same points again. We encourage you if you if you are interested in hearing our thoughts on this subject, um, you know, please listen to those episodes. Um, in the meantime, we thought it'd be better to uh, take this time to direct you to a couple of great causes if you're interested in taking action and doing uh, doing something. If you're able to devote time or energy or money, um, Jacob Blake's family. Uh, somebody has, has uh, started a GoFundMe for Jacob Blake's uh, family to help with his medical expenses and help take care of his family, including his seven children. Uh, it's just GoFundMe. If you search for Justice for Jacob Blake, you'll find it. I think at last check, it had already had like $2.5 million in donations, which is incredible. Uh, the Milwaukee Freedom Fund, uh, which helps with uh, with justice and bail causes for, uh, for anyone in Milwaukee who is demonstrating and might be arrested for taking part in peaceful protests. Um, and of course, the Equal Justice Initiative, um, which helps with those same causes as well nationwide. Uh, that's all. Um, Sean and Rich, anything to add to that? No, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. You know, there, there are still protests going on from the last time this happened. So it's just, it seems endless. Um, and yeah, our, my opinions haven't changed. It's just very, it's, 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 Honestly, this shouldn't be the only time we talk out because it keeps happening. It seems a little bit performative to be like every time a black man gets murdered, we go, oh, well, the police. But I mean, what are you going to do? It's 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 so hard. This is a this is the 2020 is a rough year. We all have so much that we're dealing with on top of this. But, you know, my heart goes out to him and his family. And uh, yeah, just listen to our old episodes because it's all the same stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, like you said, Matt, it's been two and a half, three months. Like our our opinions haven't changed. You guys both hit the nail on the head. Absolutely, it's just absolute travesty. 
Uh, we we have the the privilege of being able to partake in a relatively uh, frivolous podcast uh, where we do discuss serious issues as well as some more you know lighthearted topics. Um, we're going to attempt to do something like that again uh, during the next couple of episodes. But if you'd like to hear any of our thoughts on this or have any other questions stemming from this or anything else going on in the world, um, you know the, the the whole point of our show is to answer questions from you guys. So email brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Um, and without any further ado, we will go on with our normal show. Welcome to Brose. My name is Matt Casnell, and joining me as they always do are my bros in Rose. On an audio feed reporting live from Belmar, New Jersey, it's Mr. Rich Sweeten. Hi, everyone. And on an audio feed reporting live from Haddon Heights, New Jersey, it's Mr. Sean O'Brien. Hey, everybody. Run a little three-man weave this week, guys. <laughs> it's the power play. Yeah, man, it's the, the flying V, except it's, there's only three of us instead of five. <laughs> I, we, you can still do a V in three, so. I know you can just still do three, but the, the traditional flying V, if you're going by uh, by Mighty Duck standards, is you got to go the full. You have the the, fi- the two defensemen in the back, which is an absolutely, by the way, atrocious hockey play <laughs> to have all five of your guys charging in that formation. Because the moment like the puck gets stolen, it's like, oh no, no one's back to play defense. It's over, and that's when Goldberg gets a bunch of goals scored on him. So, so when uh, when Tim is here, are we the flying checkmark? Uh, we're like the diamond on the power play. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we got the guy on the in the front of the goalie. We got the guy in the the top of the blue line. I know a lot about hockey. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah. So you you will notice that uh, we are of course missing a voice uh, during this uh, this episode. Tim Hansen uh, is unfortunately still dealing with uh, some of the the head the headache issues, the migraine issues uh, that have plagued him over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, my, my, my pleas to him that, well, you got sick right after you drank a whole bottle of wine. It only makes sense to go in reverse. Apparently this isn't going to fly with him and he is, uh, going to take it easy and, uh, uh, going to take a pass on this session, but will hopefully be joining us for the next one, uh, health permitting. Yes. Uh, so in the meantime, we've decided to turn it over to our fourth member of the show, Zencaster. Uh, who, t- who he determined before the show uh, is really the cause of us taking so, so long for recording our sessions over the last couple of weeks. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Definitely. Zencaster, MVP. Yeah. Zencaster, the most valuable player. I did want to float the idea before the show of all three of us having hot takes at the end of each episode, and each of us was just blasting Zencaster, <laughs> like in a different way. <laughs> yeah, change things up this week. Fuck you, Zencaster. I, uh, please don't take away our free subscription. <laughs> I I actually have a, a nice, lighthearted hot take, so it's not against Ooh, Zencaster when I do take, when I do have it. Lovely. All right. Well, then we'll uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show. In the meantime, welcome to see. Technically, this is the hundredth episode of the Brose podcast. We discussed it. This is going to be one of those situations where we celebrate the 100th episode at a later date because we don't want to do it without Tim. So although this is the 100th episode, we will be uh, honoring and celebrating our 100 episodes uh, in episode 103, uh, provided Tim is able to come back. Uh, So it's going to be like when Christmas falls on like a Sunday uh, and then we observe it on a different day. It's it's going to be something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It'll all be good. So welcome, everyone. To the 100th episode of the Brose Podcast. 
Available as always on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud. Tune in and everywhere else where fine podcasts are bought and sold. Um, if you've listened to any of these hundred episodes before, you know that the premise of our show is to answer questions from you, the audience, about life, the universe, and everything. And we do it while enjoying delicious, crisp, refreshing glasses of rosé. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on our show, email it to brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Uh, with that, we turn it over to uh, what has when Riley regarded over the first hundred episodes of our show as the best part <laughs> the of the podcast. Absolute best part. It's not, fan not, favorite. Not only is it the best part, it is Sean's mom's favorite part. We've gotten rave reviews from uh, Sean's mother like, uh, why do you do this? Um <laughs> Is the easily the most boring part of the episodes. Honestly, um, I usually skip this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so, we could like if somebody wanted to say something real, like Sean and I both uh, take turns editing the podcast. If somebody wanted to say something like real insulting, th- do it during this section because <laughs> yeah. there's no chance that I'm going in there and like spot checking this part of the episode. <laughs> uh, with that, uh, let's turn it over to you, Rich, to discuss what wine you're drinking tonight. I am drinking a uh, 2018 uh, Borsau. I bought it because it said Borsau and I thought it said Brosé for a second. <laughs> but then mm. I saw that there was like a knight on a horse and I was like, all right, it kind of fits the animal theme. Um, it's not good. I, I, When you said crisp and refreshing, this is not neither. It's battery acid. No. Ba- battery acid. Wow. <laughs> it's 14% ABV, Yikes. so I'm going to be feeling good later tonight. Later tonight. It's my favorite wine ever. Uh, Sean, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Carlo Rossi Blush, a California table wine. I can't find the year front on it, so you know what's quality. Uh, <laughs> I When I first smelled it, it smelled, it smelled like um, it smelled like standing next to the soda fountain in a Taco Bell. And it, uh, okay. it, I don't know why that was just like the sense memory. I was like, oh, this is sort of fountain to talk about. So it's just, I guess, I don't know, like cuminy, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Did you say cuminy? No, cumin, like like cumin. Oh, the cuminy. Spice. I thought you were saying cuminy, like it had the yeah. essence of human. Uh, in it. No, I think it smells. It smells like spicy, but like a like cheap. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And it so tastes, like it's just real sweet. So, I don't like, really... so cumin, but like uh, Spice Classics cumin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, well, uh, thanks to the last couple of weeks, I had three uh, half to third drinking bottles of, <laughs> of wine. Mm-hmm. So you know what that means. It's time for another Casnell Winemakers blend uh, <laughs> right here. We have a combination of Villa Wolf and Artea Rosé. Uh, I can tell you guys, I haven't had a sip of this yet. So uh, <laughs> it's, I, I've got a glass sitting right here with me. Uh, it's, it's just to knock out the amount of glass that's currently rattling around in our fridge. Uh, <laughs> review, reviews coming shortly. Reviews coming shortly. I can't uh, wait. <laughs> so uh, I have here on my screen, uh, gentlemen, uh, the first round of questions. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-ish questions uh, to take care of during this episode. Are you ready? ready. Yes, as long as this gnat doesn't keep flying in front of me. Is the gnat going to be a problem? Yeah, no, it shouldn't be. Can you mic the gnat up? Give him like a laugh. And uh... <laughs> I, I might have already crushed him. 
Uh, but I'll try when he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna crush this wine just like I crushed this gnat. Uh, the first question comes to us from uh, uh, one of our, our favorite listeners, John Tursich. If you were an Amazon self published smut author, what would your niche be? <laughs> hmm. Oh, Amazon man. On self published smut author or author. Although, if you want to do well, Arthur Smut, I guess you could. Well, I mean, now that you said it, uh, no, I'm not going to do Arthur, Arthur <laughs> Smut. <laughs> no, thank you. Those are children, Aardvarks. <laughs> Buster, what are you doing? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so many bad images in my head now. Uh, Get away. It's a combination of pedophilia and bestiality that uh, Amazon craves. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you're doing smut uh, writing, what would your uh, niche be? I I would pick um, like a, uh, a cryptid porn where like you have because so there a long time ago, Mary and I were going to start a podcast where you read bad books and then review them. And I remember that, this. So we read one book and we reviewed it, but we decided we didn't like being mean. So I had read, but I did read a second book for that, which I don't remember. I don't remember the name of it, but the the plot was this woman was an archaeologist and went into this cave with a bunch of dragon statues. But it turns out the dragons weren't just statues. They were real and they wanted to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so funny. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was so it was like well written, but it was the wildest thing when these just women's flying through the air with some dragons fucking. <laughs> uh, and I remember specifically somebody said um, she was at one point she was like, "Am I going to have sex with this statue?" And then she did have sex with that statue immediately <laughs> after that. So I'm like, "Well, like, at least they're not leaving too like it's not it's the pacing is great. <laughs> the pacing <laughs> is great." <laughs> So I want, all the right beats. Yeah, so I want to get in, into that into that genre. Like, throw some Sasquatch, some Baba Yaga, some... So, so smut with mythical <laughs> creatures. Bob, exactly, the Babadook. Get all that stuff in there. <laughs> so, so hear me out. I have, I have the perfect idea for this, for this niche. Okay. Um, Twilight BDSM. <laughs> oh! Okay. Yes. Okay. So like, so like, but you... So like that's that's a really good idea. I think you could maybe switch the vampire for a businessman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good idea. I think, um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like take this. I don't want to take any steam from you, but I think that would be a good idea. It would be like what would I title it though? Like Shades of a Color, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Shades of Red. Red. I don't know if Red works. How many shades, <laughs> shades of red, shades of glitter? Though? Shades. Of, shades. Of, I feel like you you could you could talk about all the the several shades of gray that are involved in the BDSM community. Gray is perfect. <laughs> I agree. Sh- shades of black and blue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How many shades though? Are we talking like 10, 11? Well, and- if I if I'm familiar my 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 cursory knowledge of the way this works is that you have to write like 140 of these. So you're going to you're going to be pretty granular by the time you hit like your 140th uh, entry into this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll probably just stop at 50 shades of gray. 50. Okay. Okay. Just stop there. Hard stop yes, at 50. Just, just stop just stop there. 50 yeah. shades of gray. Got it. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> 
So Rich would do Fifty Shades of Grey, a novel concept that we can uh, work into this, but with vampires. Well, no, Matt, you do know Fifty Shades of Grey was basically Twilight fan fiction. I uh, then now it's coming to mind. I just didn't yeah. realize that that's what you were trying to do. <laughs> I want to be Stephanie Myers, okay? Oh, okay, all right, all right. No, all right, that's right. not who wrote it. Stephanie Myers wrote Twilight. The oh. other person was like El something or other. Okay. I don't remember. E. You know, Cummings. It, that, <laughs> it was E. Cummings. There was no. It was weird. It's weird how well that book did, considering there was no capital letters or punctuation. No, it's just a blob in the middle of the page. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, what did I read smut about? Um, boy, those are good. See, I don't know. Um, how about I don't know. I I'm the. the Sports guys in a locker room. How about that? Um, like, because because that's becoming <laughs> that's what we call it. Sports guys in a locker room headlines, uh, and uh, it would just be. I don't know. I I, I can't. I, I don't have I a think, good brain for this I kind feel, of thing. I feel like it'd be like <laughs> it'd be like Matt Christopher books, but porn. <laughs> Chip Hilton from like the sixties. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the golden boy is just like at the end of the book, just somebody winds up fucking him in the locker room and he's okay with it. That's Completely your, that's consensual. It's, a, it's just a regular book the whole way through, a regular sports <laughs> fiction. And at the end, some two people just fucking locker room. Yeah. Like there's like normal conflict for like the first three quarters of it. And then there's like the normal like climax and resolution. But then at the end, just randomly, it's just like, all right, Chip, <laughs> you won the MVP trophy. <laughs> Let me show you my MVP. <laughs> I won the MVD. I'll let you guess what the D is. It's like defenseman. <laughs> you, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? You. Whoa. <laughs> I, I actually like that one. <laughs> Gotta be. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm going to Disney World as he's like you know, shouting in a shower or something. Like that. Um, this is all completely consensual, by the way. This is yes, all. Yes. I know that there's an implication when there's like sexual intercourse in a locker room that maybe you know there's not everything is not on the up and up, and and we don't want to condone that here on the Brose Podcast. <laughs> this is all yes. in my smut world, completely on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> Matt Christopher. <laughs> I forgot all about this. It was like two tall Jones, and it was like. <laughs> Those were the like the, the premises of those books were phenomenal because it was like there was a guy who was so tall that he was awesome at basketball, but then kids would make fun of him for being tall. <laughs> and that was the central conflict. Like, I don't want to play basketball anymore because I'm too tall. And his coach would be like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Dude, did you? <laughs> Matt, did, well, did, did this book strike a uh, strike a chord with you when you were younger? No one, well, no, no one really made fun of me for being tall. They they would just they'd overcompensate for the other stuff because they're like, ah, shit, he's tall. <laughs> so he's like, so now we have we have to find something else. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on the smut genre and what you would do with it? My mm-hmm. my legitimate answer would actually probably be more D and D something. Because mm. I know so much about that, those worlds and those, everything about it that it would just be like, all right, this this will come easy to me. 
I, I'll just talk about one of my characters because he's kind of a sex hound anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you made it your your D D character character is a is a sex hound. No, but like he he loves a pretty face and he's he's not picky. So mm-hmm. uh, he just he just he'll just he'll just have at it. <laughs> <laughs> he'll just have at it. Yeah. Do you have to do you have to roll for whether or not he just has at it? Like let, yeah. let me t- let me tell you, it's awkward flirting with my brother. <laughs> that would be that would be a bummer if like your family like you had a like a sibling or another family member and they made a character who's like I'm my character's gonna be really into your character. Like, no, but, but <laughs> you like, may not. My my brother is the DM, so like whenever my character is like mm-hmm. maybe trying to get information or whatever, and like he's like, all right, well let me schmooze my way into like their good graces, and so then uh-huh. I end up having to be like the flirtatious guy trying to get. <laughs> Like, and I'm flirting with my brother, and I'm like, "This is so weird. Why did I do this?" You heard it here first, Rose Podcast listeners. Rich Sweeten seducing his brother for information. <laughs> we really hit a lot, hit a right. a lot of corners here on this first like 20 minutes of the show. I can't, I can't wait 10 years from now for that audio clip to come out and be released after we're big and famous. Rich Sweeten used to flirt with his brother yeah. for information. <laughs> Why don't they just like, talk about stuff? <laughs> I don't be talking about anything else, please. Literally. Uh, our next question comes to us from Emily Cooper. Um, she her question is: uh, Would you rather be a doula or a midwife? Uh, oh, as an aside, uh, Emily Cooper and uh, John Tersich just bought their first house together. So congratulations! congratulations. They did it. They did it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a doula? So a doula is – that's a great question, Matt. <laughs> a Thanks, doula man. is – Are we Googling uh, it? Because I, I, yes, I, 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 I pulled it up. Okay, a, okay. A woman, tip, typically without formal obstetric training, who is employed to provide guidance and support to a pregnant woman during labor. And a midwife, conversely, is a person trained to assist women in childbirth. Um, so I believe – I believe, and I could be incorrect, that a midwife has medical training and can deliver children. Like Mary's uh, Alice was delivered via midwife in a hospital. So it wasn't okay. a doctor. It was Mary's midwife. Mm-hmm. And I think a midwife has is kind of like a more whole picture kind of uh, obstetrician where you get like the entire it's 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 more woman centered as opposed to being clinical, I think. And the doula is there to assist the midwife. A, a doula would have basically done what I did, which was like during the, during the labor of helping Mary with pain and getting her anything she needed and kind of being, and a doula is also uh, do an important are important in times when you have to go to a hospital. Uh, they do a good job of knowing the system and advocating for the woman. Okay. So it's basically, okay. yeah, more or less. All right, um, that's that's good. so. So basically, midwife being more medical, uh, with more more medical training, uh, mm-hmm. whereas the doula is more in like the emotional support, uh, mental and physical things like that mm-hmm. uh, for the mother. Uh, so, what would you rather be? Um, I'd rather be a midwife. I think. You think so? Why? Because uh, you get to uh, deliver the baby. I think that'd be pretty cool. But it is. I think you have. I think being an emotional 
support in the way a doula is would be very taxing all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas while you do have to offer that kind of support as a midwife, I think it would be, I I think not that less is expected of you, but I think less is expected of you in that you don't have to, you're not expected to stay with one person throughout the entirety of their labor. You kind of check in. It's more of, it's, it's like a doctor, but a doctor who is more, uh, who isn't as concerned with, you know, getting out the door. Cause that's mm-hmm. like a doctor, like if you in, in actual hospitals, you'll see a lot of births happen, right? Uh, before the end of shifts because the doctors want to get them out before they have to leave. So mm. it's just like the midwives generally won't do stuff like that. They're just like kind of there. Okay. But I'd rather be a midwife. Cause I want to like have that baby shoot out and I catch it and I'm like, got hands, baby. Touchdown. <laughs> yeah. And I spike that. <laughs> yeah. And then you're right. Head first, right into the ground. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you get all the other, do- you have like a planned celebration. You pull mm-hmm. all the other doctors in and you're like, yo, look at it. <laughs> um, Rich, would you rather be a doula or a midwife? Um, Probably a doula because it sounds like I, like, like I, I, I'd be good at like the emotional support, uh, 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 situations that Sean was saying, as well as like getting things done uh, administrative wise, and I'm I, I think it'd be a pretty good like administrative person to make sure everything's like the way it should be and and work the system the way that they need to be worked. So mm-hmm. if if I'm understanding correctly what you said, like I'm not really that great with medical stuff, so I'd probably yeah. better on the administration side. So me and Sean, we can be a team. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's that's the thing is that yeah, the midwife is the kind of like the technical aspect of it and the doula is the emotional aspect of it not and both are very important yes Mm -hmm. yeah in absence of medical training i think i'd have to i mean you not that you don't need any training to be a doula either but in absence of like uh, medicinal training i I think i would i would need to go with the doula route uh i you know uh, both of them sound like incredibly uh stressful and taxing jobs because you're you're dealing with with a very high <laughs> steal a baseball term a very high leverage situation uh <laughs> with uh with this both emotionally and physically and obviously this is a major moment in both uh, the mother and the father's life and mm-hmm. you know all that good stuff and and so whether even if you're just handling the emotional side of things you're dealing with somebody when they're they're, they're most you know stressed and strained and emotionally fragile and physically taxed and everything like that they both sound very hard yeah. uh but i will i will go with the doula because i think I, my personality, I'm a little bit more equipped for that. I think um, so too. Yeah. I think both of you would be good at that because a lot of Ooh, being uh, a doula is being able to go work, your, like be in a hospital and assert yourself and be like my whomever, like the woman I'm here with needs this, this, and this. And when the doctor says, you know, there's a lot of things that are routine, but not necessary. And being able to advocate for like, we don't need that you're like this is just either to expedite the situation or it's just like preventative of a of like a thing that doesn't exist anymore it's just like you don't need it it's just extra Mm -hmm. stuff that you don't you're mucking with so being a doula like i but i could see you both being good at being like nah guys nah yeah come on (laughs) you come on please can you please uh any other thoughts on this or shall we move on i think we can move on Good. Uh, the next question is also from Mr. John Tursich. What holiday has the best aesthetic? Mm. The best aesthetic for any holiday. Uh, I'd have to go with Halloween. It's 
Mm-hmm. Halloween's all aesthetic. There's no substance yeah. to Halloween. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and it's it's in the fall, which which gives it even the better aesthetic. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just I'm I'm all about the feel of Halloween. That's a good pick. Yeah, I. <sighs> My my wife loves Halloween. I, I don't I don't get up for it as much, um, but it, it's got some cool aesthetic to it. I, I do like Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I've soured a little bit on Thanksgiving only because of our historical thing with Native Americans. Um, but 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 ser- but that that's legitimately. If it weren't for that, Thanksgiving would be the best holiday, bar none. Yeah. Um. And and, and frankly, it's still you know removing that bit of historical context. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's the fall. I was going to say it's that g- too. I was going to say Thanksgiving's like Halloween, but less pretentious. But yeah, I, yeah. Because it's, I it's forgot about Lynn. It's <laughs> Halloween with less pretension and it's Christmas with less stress. Uh, yeah. This is a take that my brother has had for a long time and I, I <laughs> tend to agree with him on it. Um, ultimately, though, I will say my, my favorite still remains uh, the, the winter holidays like Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Uh, and, and it comes at the end of the year. Uh, you know, I was raised in a household that celebrated Christmas uh, and just – it seemed like the perfect culmination of everything that happened at the end of the year. Like when I was in, you know, when you were in school, it was the midpoint of the year, but it, you know, everything you did for the first two quarters or the first semester or whatever, you know, culminated in that. It just felt like it was like you were always building up to something. And then that was like, okay, the six days between Christmas and new year's, um, it was just like, ah, it's awesome. Like, it's just, it is it that, that feeling of it, it's, it's cold, but you're inside and you've got family or friends, you know, uh, that, that was sort of the aesthetic that I attributed to it. There was always, you know, snow at some point because we live in the Northeast. That's always the way it works. Um, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. I, I I will stick with Christmas and, and yeah listen there's a billion decorations that you put out for Christmas there's yeah, a billion yeah. different things you can decorate it any which way you want if you want to make your Christmas tree entirely of like you know Carson Wentz eagle statuettes you can if you want to make it entirely out of like different Power Rangers you can if you want to do it in Hello <laughs> Kitty or Charlie Brown like just pick it you've got a Christmas aesthetic for it and to your point Rich Halloween has that as well I, I just prefer Christmas yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk, talking about Halloween decorations, Home Depot has a – or just Christmas decorations and, and decorations in general. Ho- Home Depot has a freaking dragon for Halloween that I want to get and then keep up and just put a Santa hat on <laughs> to keep it up from Halloween through Christmas. Nice. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But it's like yeah. $700. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's a dragon. It's, the thing's huge. I yeah, want it. Can't, get a, can't put a price on a dragon. No. I mean, I just leave it out all year round. Put a put, Sean, a put a tarp over it though, so mm. that, uh, the rain didn't mess with it. Yeah, like a like a classic car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you come that guy, you just have it out in your front driveway, and everybody's like, "Oh, what, you, what kind of wheels you got under there?" It's like, no, it's dragging. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Sean, are you going to go with Thanksgiving? I was going to, but then you bummed me out. So I think I'm going to go <laughs> with. Uh, I think I'm going to go with New Year's because in my brain. New, the the aesthetic of New Year's is very much like a Great Gatsby party, like a Roaring Twenties mm. kind of like mm-hmm. opulent kind of nonsense, and but also like and in the same way that the Twenties were before the Depression, very hopeful, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. how I feel about New Year's. Like I like all of the like the sparkles and the the glasses that they only got right with twenty twenty, and now I get to see <laughs> every year how they're gonna fuck with this, but mm-hmm. um. But, like, I think there is something very hopeful, even in, like, the sparkly, in-your-face kind of over 
it's it's like Mardi Gras but less uh, less aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, New, I, Year's, New I, Year's is a cool bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that because because it does it it gives a sign of hope. Like, all right, new beginnings because it's the new year and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and, and you get you and, get nice. You get to have champagne. You get a little feel a little bit fancy. You stay <laughs> when you're when you're a kid. You're staying up late and everything looks super cool just because you're all punch drunk. And 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 now that we're thirty, it's like, can we just get this over with? I want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as you get all this, oh, fucking midnight. I don't deal with Anderson Cooper and uh, <laughs> what's his name Andy Cohen uh, on CNN. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, boy, boy. Uh, any other thoughts on holiday aesthetics? I don't think so. No. I love I love all of them pretty much. Arbor Day, yeah, yeah. Arbor Day is the best. Christmas for beavers. <laughs> uh, our next question comes to us from Emily Cooper. What's one thing you would change about the place you're living in that is super minor, but would make your life so much easier? Um, I would put the I would put um, the washer and dryer up here on the third floor. Okay. Second, on the yeah. second floor. Move it up from the basement. Because one of the reasons I fall behind on doing laundry is because it is such a chore to bring it all the way down the basement put everything in and then bring it all the way back up and then fold it but if it was all in one place you streamline it throw it right in it's not a big deal man Mm -hmm. i could do it like i'm doing dishes like you're just like up real quick yeah that would be the one one minor thing just bring washing machine upstairs i think that's a lot of people's like i think if you pulled uh america in general i think washer and dryer location if their house has a washing machine and a dryer is like like a family feud top five answers on the board situation it's number one for most mm-hmm. americans mm-hmm. it's like it's just inconvenient no no matter where it is in the house it is somehow a pain in the ass for you <laughs> yeah i think i've only seen one time where it wasn't super inconvenient and uh it was at my 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 mother's house when we lived in exton um we actually had it on the second floor of the house where everything else was and it was like oh my god <laughs> um so um rich what would you change that's super minor in your house so it there's there's two windows that i need fix well there's a bunch of windows i need fixing and replacing but there's two in particular that i want to deal with right away and uh one of them is in the living room that uh, no matter how many times you guys have come into this house you have never seen because it is behind the paneling wall (laughs) because my grandparents just used to put a china cabinet there and so when they were putting up the the, the paneling, she, my grandma was just like, get rid of the window. So I want to make the space for that window and put a new window there. And um, in my uh, utility area where my washer and dryer is, my dryer's vent is going just into a window and the window is always open and is not screened properly or anything. So like it lets out a lot of like heating and air conditioning. So I kind of want to get that properly set up to have an actual dryer vent to be insulated and like maybe save some energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that. A little extra yeah. insulation. It's very practical. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a ton of small jobs that I need, I want to do in my house to try to save energy. Like I want to re I want to reinstate my attic, which isn't that bad of a job. It's a, it's a big attic, but it's a small job compared to mm-hmm. doing some of the other things I want to do in this house. Hmm. yeah 
I so our kitchen is on the second floor of our house, which is a lot. We have a, we have a three we have a three level home, uh, town home in uh, it, it, where in our neighborhood, and the kitchen is on the second floor, uh, and the the our master bedroom is also on the second floor in the middle of the house, which seems a little bit odd. I love it because I can just wake up, open the door, and start making breakfast. Um, and I can just, you know, if we're just hanging out, just me and my wife, you know, we can hang out downstairs. I can bring it downstairs or we, if we just want to hang out in our bedroom and be super lazy all day, we can just, I can just, you know, walk to and from the kitchen and take a grand total of like eight steps, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do it. The problem is that, uh, there is not a ton of space in our kitchen for appliances. So we have a lot of our appliances in the garage, you know, our, our, you know, like a blender or a food processor, the Dutch oven, things that don't fit in the cabinetry uh, in our kitchen we have in the garage and it's frustrating. I tell you, it's frustrating (laughs) to go all the way downstairs to go and just get an air fryer and carry it upstairs. You know what I want? I want another cabinet in our kitchen. Um, but we don't really have room for that. So what I would do is, (laughs) this is not really a super minor thing, but I think it's funny. Uh, I would carve out exactly one closet's worth of space and just have it jutting out over where, uh, our hat, like, (laughs) like an extra overhang, like at the, uh, at the Sears tower, the, the, Will's Tower in, in Chicago, uh, they've got like a little extra overhang where you can walk out and look down and see uh, <laughs> out over the city. Like they have that clear, uh, you know, reinforced glass. I would do that except for just it's our, that's where our pantry is. Um, <laughs> so like, fa- like where that tempered window is by the stairs, you just take that out and put a closet there or something. Even the other side, like if you want to do it on the other <laughs> side of the kitchen, like where we have we have some artwork hanging in the in the dining room area, just jut it out over there so it's still over like the shingles on the roof and everything. So uh, so I would do that. Failing that, um, I'd add another like three feet to our deck. Uh, so I could, so we'd have a little bit more space. That's, that's less of a day-to-day thing and more of a, it would be nice. So I could push out my grill. We still have our grill out there and we still have, we have a little bit more room for people, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's really about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Light switches you'd move? I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. I, I just, just the washer dryer. That's it. The smallest, the I, smallest yeah. change I could make that would make the largest amount of difference. Uh, maybe replace all my outlets with three prong instead of two prong. Mm. And, yeah, 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 and probably have some of them with USB connectors as well. But yeah, USB connectors, baby. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, moving on to our next question. Uh, the subject is <laughs> funky monkeys. Charlie. <laughs> Uh, the body of the message is as follows. So sometimes when I'm really proud of an email, <laughs> I rub my hands together and cackle, shrieking, dance, monkeys, dance. <laughs> what kind of dance moves would you do as monkeys? Don't forget to utilize those tails and natural acrobatics. Uh, there is then, <laughs> of course, this came from Charlie Bram, uh, and it's accompanied by a picture of a monkey with a, a hula hoop, I believe it looks like. Uh, it's the smallest little thing. It's adorable. Uh, what dance would you do as monkeys, guys? Uh, I would I would get symbols and just be the monkey toy with the symbols. And is that would that be a monkey dance? That'd be a monkey dance. All right, that, that's that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that dance when some when you, people grab their foot and then they jump their other foot over it and eat back and forth? I do yeah. that, but with my tail and my one foot, and then jump my other foot over mm-hmm. the the connection of my tail and foot. And then okay. I would do some sort of like, you know, uh, like uh, the wave type thing Ooh. because I've just crushed it. 
<laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, I would probably do uh, a, a collection of the following. Uh, I'd probably uh, whip, nay, nay, uh, maybe do the stanky leg, uh, but I'd be a monkey. <laughs> but you would be a monkey. That's good. <laughs> and break would, your legs. <laughs> I would also, do you guys remember the show Allie McBeal? I never watched it, but I know. Yes, yes. They, I would I would do the dancing baby as a mm-hmm. monkey. And like I would just swing oh. my tail around while doing the dancing baby as a monkey. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The dancing baby dan- is dancing like that baby is drunk at Coachella. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. It's super acrobatic dance that involves the tail that you would do as a monkey. Uh, I... I'm not creative enough to think about how I'd incorporate the tail into it. Well, I'd use the tail like a boa and just like flip it all around. Be like, <laughs> oh, okay. Boom, <laughs> boom. Yeah. Yeah. A very sexy monkey dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like what you see. Um, very seductive monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So are any any artists out there listening – we need artist renditions of each of us as monkeys doing these dances. Doing I have a counter dances. proposal. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, we don't. We do not. We don't need pictures of us as monkeys. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to, I'm not going to stop anybody. But I, you know, I, I I might be able to commission Shannon to do a quick logo for us just for this episode. A quick monkey monkeys. logo. Shannon, I know, but I know it's only three days. But you think you could whip up a picture of the three of us, four of us as monkeys? <laughs> what would a uh, bald monkey look like? Uh, like a naked mole rat with a longer tail. Okay, all right, You're right. that works. You're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, our next question is also from Miss Emily Cooper, uh, <laughs> and it comes with a picture, uh, which we've all been sent. Oh. Uh, what is this big leaf that's in my yard? <laughs> Uh, when all the trees around me are evergreens. So Emily has sent us a picture of a, a leaf, a, a large leaf. It's on a sidewalk. Um, it's a, a deep forest green. If I was going to put a color on it, it appears to have been rained on. Uh, so it's very, I don't want to, I don't want to call Emily out here, but it does seem like this photo might've been taken earlier today. Um, <laughs> So uh, it's got like a very thick vein in the middle, uh, like where the stem would have been plucked out. Um, I, I, I'm going to say this is uh, it, it's all, if all the trees are evergreen. I'm not great with with trees. Um, I will say that this is a new mutant strain of poison, poison oak. Um, don't touch it. Uh, and at auction, I probably say it's worth five thousand dollars. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> It's worth its weight in gold, that shiny leaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah fine, fetch a fine penny for that there leaf. You know, I think it's uh, actually a miniature monstera plant tree leaf. Mm. Um, and I think it's worth dub- triple its weight in gold. Triple its weight in gold? Yeah. Wow. So we're looking at like uh, uh, whatever three ounces of gold is worth, perhaps. <laughs> um. Sean, what, what what is this leaf? <laughs> it looks like a uh, it looks like a smushed sugar maple sugar maple leaf. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, I just looked up what are what are trees in New Jersey, and sugar maple <laughs> came up, and that looks like that looks like that motherfucking leaf. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I I you googled better than I did. I googled big green leafy tree. <laughs> 
big green leafy tree. What is? Well, it just like it sugar maple sugar maple leaves just look like maple leaves, but they're green, and that just looks like a smushed one. Can you get like sap or, or syrup out of sugar maple trees? That's a great question. I, I mean, listen, you're already on the Sugar Maple Wikipedia page or like the official Sugar Maple uh, fan club page. I was figuring maybe you got the information on, on hand. I would hope so. The, let's see what Wikipedia has to say about these sugar maples. Oh, no. I had no idea that this was a tree that was native to New Jersey uh, that we had anywhere near us. Uh, but listen, if, if, if there's a source of – listen, we have talked for years as a country about becoming maple dependent, independent – um, not relying on outside sources to to import and export our, our, our maple. Uh, this is this is a, a huge breakthrough. And honestly, I think we've been sleeping on this as a country and, and both ends of the political spectrum can learn a lot. Uh, coming together, compromising, learning that we've got this re- remarkable source of maple and cutting Canada entirely out of our lives. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they don't they don't exist in southern New Jersey. I will take back everything I just said. <laughs> but they do uh, exist Canada's in Canada's great and please keep talking to us about your maple syrup. Um, northeastern northeastern uh I'm going to say it's a river birch leaf even though I can't see what those leaves look like because uh-huh. that's what I don't know that's the only thing that came up. So I I did a quick google of can you get syrup from sugar sugar maple trees and maple syrup can be made from any species of maple trees. Uh apparently I have a tree that can make syrup because I have a <gasps> box elder tree in my in my yard. Ooh, I can make syrup, but it requires sixty gallons of box elder sap to produce mm-hmm. one gallon of syrup. Okay, so, so uh, you're but and yet I still see you here talking to us on a microphone <laughs> instead of getting out there and getting and, us and for gallons some sap, and gallons rich. of sap. I yeah. don't know. I don't think I, I, you know, I have to look into logistics. You of don't how many think gallons. you don't know. Get out there and know. <laughs> Lick that I'll, tree. Lick it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start just jabbing the tree with, 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 with um, uh, whatever you do to get uh, sap from it. And mm-hmm. my first ounce of syrup that I get will go directly to you, Matt. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. He's, he's 60, 60 gallons of, of sap for it. Uh, so Emily, I'm sorry we couldn't, uh, concretely identify what what sort of leaf that is but it's good to know that we are officially about to start our own maple syrup business um (laughs) and by we i mean i'm just gonna watch rich uh drain sap from his box elder tree i'll post it on uh our marijuana enthusiasts and see if i can find (laughs) is that what the tree one is uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes. no, that's, that's how you identify trees is at our marijuana. Enthusiasts. Well, no, that's that's what happened. Our our slash trees is for pot, and so uh-huh. so I think a bunch of people who love trees then co opted marijuana enthusiasts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it only makes sense. It I, yeah, only our makes marijuana sense. enthusiast is about trees. I uh. <laughs> I equally love and hate Reddit now. <laughs> our next question uh, comes to us from John Tursich. Uh, should Fall Guys pay Fallout Boy, Guy, R&B artist, and other <laughs> bands or songs with Fall or Guys in it to use their songs as a soundtrack for the game? So uh, I suppose background, Fall Guys is a very popular game. Rich, I think you've played it. I, I have it, but I haven't played I've, it. I've yeah, played I've, I've played like a uh, like a number of half hours of it. 
is a free <laughs> game. It was a free game on PlayStation uh, not too long ago, correct? It it still is until next Tuesday. So okay. when this okay. releases, it probably won't be anymore. Yeah. So uh, so it, retroactively, get your ass out there. Well, I think the, they, you might have like a day. Uh, you might have yeah. like an hour or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. So you, you might. Uh, it usually yeah. the new games come out the first Tuesday, but the first Tuesday is also the first day of the month. So I don't really know if that's how they do it. Um, so what but, is Fall so, Guys? So Fall Guys, uh, the best way to explain it, um, game shows like Wipeout, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, um, things like that, uh, combined with the. Um, uh, uh, like battle royale aspect that have been in games and you're just, you have to get to the end or you have to win whatever competition it is. And you play as these guys called beans cause they're bean shaped and they're like a singular color. Uh, it's just a stupid fun game that uh, has a great concept that the fandom kind of sucks because they've found ways to cheat the system by like grabbing. When did this game come out? How do they have a fandom already? <laughs> Dude. So the reason this game was free and it came out that Tuesday that it was free. So this month in August, the reason it was free is because it is entirely community based. You cannot play it single player. So they needed as many people to get it as they could right from the back. And so they're going to hope to get money from, uh, 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 microtransactions. I think Mr. Beast is offering to do like, is offering them like, almost a million dollars so that he could have his own skin or something in that game. Oh, it's, going, it's going to charity. Is it they, going to, okay. It's yeah, donations. They, okay. they, they, um, they, they put a bidding war for it and it's, it's up to like a million dollars to get like a skin in the game, but that money is going to charity. Yeah. And they, it was, it was initially out for like brands, like brand recognition, like KFC and stuff. And then like Mr. Beast got into it and Mr. Beast is just instantly like, I will outbid anybody. Yeah, and so, Ninja did it, I think. Yeah. It's just like, I, it seems to me that one of the reasons that this game is so popular is because their marketing team is a lot, they're very similar to the Apples to Apples. Not not Apples to Apples, um, that game, but for adults. Cards Against uh, Humanity. Cards, it's yeah. very similar. They, they have like a very similar tactic in terms of mm-hmm. their social media engagement to that, where it's just like a bunch of ridiculous things that are, they're like, it's where the, it seems like we don't really care about the games we care about the game but like this is just for fun it's just for fun and and that's the great thing about the game it is very accessible like a five-year-old can easily play it and you don't have to be on like uh it's it's since it's all online it's it's i mean he might not they might not do that great but they got to play and they had fun and it's super colorful um but it's like even like the the a lot of the like quote elite like mainstream uh uh streaming gamers play that game a lot because people just enjoy watching it and it's just such a fun game and full matches from beginning to end take no more than a half hour so to get to to john's original question uh should fall guys pay fallout boy guy and other bands or songs with fall or guys in it to use their songs as a soundtrack for the game yes yeah why not why not absolutely What is yeah, the soundtrack that, now? Uh, it's just their Some own house-made music. Generally it's, bleeps and bloops. and Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> nothing special. Hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, then why not? Uh, yeah. Sure. Fallout Guy. Uh, or Fallout Guy. Fallout Boy. Uh, Fallout, <laughs> Fallout Boy. Uh, guy, who I didn't yeah. know was. Uh, you know, 
they could even pay Guy Fieri uh, yeah. to get the rights to Winner Winner Chicken Dinner and steal that from <laughs> PUBG so mm. that every, anytime somebody wins, they get the Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a minute left in a round. You've got a minute to win it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Frying, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why not. Uh, Fall Out Boy should you know, do it for free. They got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Our next question. Oh, boy. Uh, how will this period in history be taught in schools? What will be left out? It depends on what happens uh, in the election. I, I was about to say the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah, because this is uh, is the whole historical thing to the victor go the spoils. And if we get if, if after four years of Donald Trump, after, you know, a pandemic, after, you know, months of social up, social upheaval, after, you know, weakening every institution that he can set his eyes to if after all that he wins re-election i i mean we're, we're gonna look we're already glossing over parts of george w bush's you know presidency we're already glossing over less savory than savory parts of barack obama and, and bill clinton's presidency uh it's it's gonna depend on on who continues to win elections and it's gonna depend on how much longer america remains a superpower mm-hmm. yeah yep uh, if you had a if you had a hazard a guess, what would uh, like twenty 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 could be a couple of chapters on its own. If you had a hazard a guess, um, it's you want to so, say you want to say this is just this calendar year? We'll say just twenty twenty for now. Yeah, this it's so hard because I think the like if you look back at the last time we had a pandemic, we don't really learn about it except as kind of. It's one of those things that like rattles around in your brain, like it's mentioned once or twice, but you don't really learn about it. And I think even in while we're living in it, people have have gotten so uh, blasé about the fact that like hundreds of hundred, almost 200,000 people have died in the last, what, five months, six months was not mentioned once during the uh, the Republican National Convention. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there wasn't a single mask during the Republican National Convention. So, (sighs) yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's so it's brutal because we've I, I just don't I don't see how I think if. If Trump wins again, this this specific calendar year will be seen as when a bunch of whiny Democrats were upset about a cold. And cooler heads prevailed and Donald Trump won reelection. And also there was a wildfire in Australia. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. uh, and a bunch of fires in California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, um, it's it, it, yeah, it's incredibly depressing. It's so my high school um, for juniors and seniors only. I, it might have just been seniors only. Um, there was a believe I believe it was half a year course all about the Vietnam War. That's going to be twenty twenty, but it's going to be a full year. Mm-hmm. It's just twenty twenty. Uh, the first first semester is going to be. Uh, like January through March, world information, and then everything else. The next three semesters is going to be the United States from March on. Well, honestly, I don't even think I think I don't think that's the case because in America, the kind of history that we teach is so revisionist and pro-America. 
in a way that I think is ultimately unhelpful where it's like, like all of, even if, you know, Biden wins in November and we kind of get back on a track that is more correct. I think that looking back, nobody, you're not going to, you're going to be like America, you know, we made a little oopsie, not like we royally fucked an entire, like entire handling of an entire pandemic. It's just going to be, and while that was going on also, it's just going to be like, you know, there was a pandemic and also there were protests for civil rights, but not, I don't know. They're not going to get into it because it makes America look bad. Yeah. To be like, we were, we were, we did a lot of shitty things. Well, the other thing is like most of the time in history, the way the history is taught is that we basically solved racism in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, And uh, we didn't. And, (laughs) uh, and you know, there are, there are mentions of, you know, incidents like Rodney King and there are mentions of, of racial incidents between, you know, 1970 and 1992 uh, but mm-hmm. ultimately, it's like, well, the, the civil rights movement happened and Martin Luther King solved racism. And that was that. And it's yeah. like, great. But there's still a lot of problems, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know how uh, how this year is going to be remembered. I, I think there will definitely be parts like I think um, some of the things that like we considered terrifying in the moment, which genuinely are kind of scary, like Trump threatening the post office um, like Trump threatening to cut the payroll tax, uh, to basically nuking social security, like stuff like that, that like freaks us out for a news cycle for three days probably will be brushed aside unless there's something else that comes up with, with the USPS, you know, but I think what that those, those things will be left out. Uh, some of the scandals, some of the, the individual small scandals will be left out like the, mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh, I, I, boy, so, so much stuff has happened. Michael Cohen was a while ago. Um, but any of that stuff, like the, the, there's hey, development with the that, Russia investigation just two weeks ago, and that's gone. <laughs> Nothing. The, like the, the stuff with the wall, the guy that got arrested last week. Oh, Steve that's, Bannon got arrested. Steve Bannon, for, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, perfect. Bannon for, uh, for taking it's, money from was supposed to be going towards the wall. You're all being defrauded. <laughs> They're that's, stealing your money. That that's definitely not going to get a mention. But it, it should. So, it should. So much stuff is happening all the time. I can't yeah, focus. There's like such a the the real big thing is happening, and I'm so upset about that. That every other little thing that I'm also upset about, it always it always gets replaced with the big thing that I'm upset about. I'm like, oh, there's mm-hmm. fucking is still a pandemic. Like I'm like, up. Oh, looks like Trump's campaign did collude with the russians up oh, steve bannon got arrested look at all these idiots who donated to a wall that was bad up oh. mm-hmm. and then it's like oh but every single time something like that comes up it's like up oh, people aren't wearing their fucking mask i'm gonna be in my goddamn house for another four months yeah, yeah. Or, or, and, 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 and the thing with the, the trump stuff especially with the corruption like with you know like you mentioned bannon there's paul manafort there's roger stone there's there's michael cohen there's all this like you know cast of cronies that have been but they've been it's been strung out over the three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Like when, like when Nixon, uh, when, you know, Nixon had his, his den of corruption unearthed, it was a couple of concrete, it was Watergate and it was the Saturday night massacre. Mm-hmm. When he got rid of everybody, fired everyone. Like it was, it was a couple of concrete moments with this. It's like a slow bleed of like, all right, he's going to jail. He's going to jail. He's going to jail. He's going to jail. And so it, it doesn't hit with that historical force. So when you look back on it, it's not going to be like, 
you know, here's the day when 12 Trump aides went to jail. It's yeah. going to have to be like you have to hunt and peck a little bit or it's going to have to be a separate section where they break it out and be like, I'm getting into like the actual minutia of a history book now. But like, <laughs> they, like they actually break it out and be like, here's the section about all of Trump's, um, you know, uh, uh, conflicts of interest and, and corruption and things like that. Yeah. Um, how do you think the pandemic's going to be remembered specifically? Like, yeah, Sean, you, you mentioned it a little bit. Like, you know, we, we uh, oops, duffed it and, yeah. uh, you know, didn't have enough ventilators for a couple of weeks. It's It seems like what's going to happen is that we're going to – that it's going to be part of world history in which they talk about how well everyone else handled it and just kind of conveniently leave out how yeah. America did. Yeah. Just be like, you know, we um, – the, the world did a great job overall. On average, the world handled it very well. However – if it's i don't think i don't think it's going to be part of like us history it's going to be just well it might be because it caused a financial collapse but also nobody's fucking talking about this we're in a goddamn recession we're mm-hmm. not allowed to leave the country it's wild what's going on right now yeah <laughs> and it's just everything's fine i don't i don't wear a mask cuz i don't trust the mm-hmm. experts i don't know i just don't believe them i don't the, agree with them the financial stuff is wild man cuz like the stock prices, the stock market is back to where it was at the beginning of the year. And my first was like, how? In, <laughs> in what measurable way could you possibly have a stock market where 15% of the country still has no work? Like, <laughs> the economy doesn't work that. Like, just because the tech sector is doing fine doesn't mean that it's it just it doesn't compute. And it's why, you know, when people say like stock market's a piece of the puzzle, when you talk about how healthy the economy is, you can't point to the stock market as, oh my, like, you know, when the stock market crashes, it doesn't mean that the economy is bad. And when the stock market goes up, it does not mean that the economy is good. It are, they are indicators, yeah, I, but they're not the whole piece of the puzzle. People honest, forget, forget there's a bunch uh, of people who still don't have any work. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. this is, uh, I'm so frustrated all the time. I think ideally Biden wins in November we have honestly, it seems like we should have a debt jubilee because shit's so fucked up right now. You need some hard kick in the ass. The economy does <laughs> because we're gonna. It's gonna be worse. It's gonna be so bad. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the only feasible. I mean, you can't go austerity because then you're gonna. You'll actually cause a a violent revolution if you try yeah. to implement like what they did with Greece like years ago, where it's like the only way we're gonna get back to zero is if we jack up your taxes. And get rid of the safety net. Like it's, you, you, you can't, you can't do <laughs> yeah. it. Like it's, you're gonna, you're gonna. Biden will be. Somebody will be assassinated. Someone, yeah. you know, somebody's going down. Yeah. It's, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what know. happens yeah. at this point. Um. It's, yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting to say the least. To like 15, 20 years from now, when our kids are in high school and stuff and and college, finding out how they're learning about twenty twenty. It's going to be absolutely interesting. Yep. It'll heavily depend on how we look at Trump too. Cause I mean, there's a lot of stuff that Trump is trying to shape history with, um, in regards to like, you know, I, I can invention a, a true dystopian future where we have history books that say that the coronavirus was like a biological weapon engineered by the Chinese, like yes. a, a, in a bizarro world where we just, you know what? Donnie was right. You know, they let the Wuhan virus in here. Like I could see a, a, a fractured history where that that comes up or, you know, you know, in an ideal way, you know, the, it, my, my realistic expectation is that we look at the pandemic in history books the way we look at like Vietnam 
where it's like, like you said, Sean, we look at it as, oh boy, this was the one failure we had. Yeah. Like when you look at American history, we point to Vietnam as like the one military failure that we had, even though just winning a war does not mean it was a military success. Um, but that's how we look at Vietnam. It's like, oh, see, we're not perfect. We went to Vietnam for too long. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's the most generous way we'll look at it from a historical perspective is like, hey, we had great health care, quote unquote, uh, for, for decades. And we had the best doctors and everything like that. But this one time we didn't. And mm-hmm. That's about yeah. that's about that. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, how history is going to look at this period of time? I hope I I hope that we get to a point where we can look at it uh realistically and with a critical eye and be like this is these are the times that we fucked up and move forward from them because that's how you move forward you look at the shit you did wrong and you say i did this wrong and you move you you just are honest we have to be honest with our kids and Mm -hmm. be like you know america isn't perfect yeah but it can be you know that's the thing is that we could be a great nation we aren't right now no so yep absolutely Absolutely. And there's always a glossing over of the the political leadership at times like this. I, I don't imagine a scenario where we can like I can imagine a scenario where like a lot of Republicans get away with being like, you know, the principled, hey, we weren't Donald Trump. We weren't in the executive branch. You mm-hmm. know, we're OK. I, I can't imagine a history where we don't look back on specifically his tenure as president with absolutes without absolute scorn. And like, it's like, I, yeah, what? What's going to be crazy to me is the thought of whether or not Fauci is mentioned in history books mm. is definitely based on if Trump wins or loses. If Could if be. Trump yeah. if Trump wins, he's not being mentioned as like he's he's just going to go down in history never having been mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we, if by the way, good. Yeah, if if Biden wins, he'll he'll it'll probably praise him and be like, well, "This is what he did and Trump argued against him at every step of the way. The Fauci will be back on TV every damn day uh, until he yeah. retires. That's the other uh, – uh, Tony Fauci is almost 80 years old. Uh, we're in like a little bit of RBG territory with Tony because uh, <laughs> Tony has had any uh, sort of health issues or anything like that. Uh, presume, I believe he's in very good health. But uh, look, man, uh, he's been on the job uh, in his role for, for a couple decades now. I, I can see a scenario where he's just like, dude, I'm done. Like, I know, yeah. I know he's, I know he's got, you know, he, he's got a sense of purpose. You know, he's got a sense of, of, you know, devotion to his job and his craft and everything. But I mean, dude's getting worked to the bone at 80 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, our final question <laughs> is a fun one, ladies and gentlemen, because it's roadshow time. Roadshow! Please open addendum one and describe the photo to the listeners. Each bro needs to determine one what they think the name of the object is, two, what the use of it is, and three, an appraisal value. So we all have addendum one. Uh, Sean, how about you describe for us what we are looking at? We, it looks like, what were those things called that you would put the- viewfinder? Yeah, it looks like a giant viewfinder that's like steam powered. It looks like a it's, steam-powered viewfinder. It's like if you took the shell off of it, exactly. you can see like all the pictures that, it has, that go in it. it. Yeah, it has kind of a revolver-esque lot, like circle of, it seems like either kind of like stained glass, but film with a giant projector at the bottom, it look, which looks like an exhaust pipe. Um, but that's what I'm going to say is that it is a projector. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's wild. That's, 
That's absolutely what it is. There, in the back of it, you would put a, a flame of some sort, and it'll project the light through that and project whatever image disc is on the uh, surrounding. Do you think it's us. like you spin it, and you know, there's like lamps that have like a bunch of different things, and you it goes because of how you know your 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 brain works. It makes like a moving, uh, like a moving, um, like a yeah, moving yeah, picture. I'd- yeah, like almost like you're flipping pages, like you have those flip books. Yeah, like a like flip book, pages. but you kind of just like and just have it, it go. It definitely could, but I don't think there's uh, enough uh, rings to to make a really good moving picture. I think it's like still frames. Mm-hmm. Also, from like the little bit that I can see of the the pictures, I don't think they're similar enough to where it can be yeah. like, oh, it's somebody. I think walking. you're right. I think it's it's like a viewfinder where you it's like mm-hmm. the Grand Canyon. Yeah, so a it's bush. like. Basically, if if you went went on vacation and you wanted to show your show your slideshows back in like the seventeen hundreds, here's mm-hmm. how you do it. Mm-hmm. Here's Dad and his visor. <laughs> um, so Here, it's, here's us at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, the Grand Canyon. It's so exciting. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I can't get over what the is it glass? I'm assuming that the the little the images are made of glass. That's what it looks like. This is this looks enormous, but I think I think it's very it's, small. It's it's a perspective thing. Yeah, it's, I think the perspective is 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 fucking with me a little bit. I think it's much smaller than I thought. It looks it looks to be about the size of like I don't know. Maybe like the a, size of a computer monitor. Maybe. Yeah, like 16 inches from front yeah. to back, but it looked like it was like a time machine. Yeah. Like you could step into it, but I think it's much smaller than that. I'm going to go with you guys. I think it's a viewfinder for like art, um, yeah. you know, used for, for family family gatherings and things. Uh, how much do you think it's worth? $25,000. Whoa, that's so much money. Bold. Bold. But I think it's more than I, I think it's a lot. It's in the thousands. I'm going to go seven and a half. Because it looks like it has all of the pictures, too. And they look... 40000 $40,000. Jesus. 40000 I, I... Something about this, the detail on the artwork, the the mechanism itself, uh, you know, it's got, you know, the, the nice poles on it. It's made of good, you know, antique wood. Uh, there's if you scrapped it for parts i think it's worth a couple grand watch uh, watch, watch this yeah. thing have been just made in some uh some guy's garage last yeah. year or something like that <laughs> yeah this is like vinny's viewfinder <laughs> it's worth 30 bucks uh all right so rich you're at uh, 25 yes Twenty five thousand. sean you're at 7500 yep and I'm at $40,000 uh, inexplicably. Uh, <laughs> we have an answer key. Um, I'll get in on this. Who wants to do the Brose players with me? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the other one. All right. You'll Sounds be the good. guest or the appraiser, Rich? I'll go with guest. All right. Uh, I'll be the appraiser and action. I was in a used furniture store in North Vernon, Indiana. They had used furniture and antiques. I bought the item from the owner of the store for about $35, and that was about 20 years ago. Okay, okay, and uh, and where did you find out where it had come from? Do you need a lozenge, sir? Uh, yeah, it had originated from the Knights of Pythias Hall in San Jacinto, Indiana, so it was used in some of their rituals, I guess. 
for some of their large fraternity work. Uh, so it was part of their meetings and all that? Right. Okay, well, what we have here is not your standard magic lantern. Uh, magic lanterns tended to be very boxy, either mahogany or Japan, Japan metal? Japan metal, uh, with maybe a brass lens in the front, and you would change the sides individually. Uh, what this is, is you've got your brass here, your brass lens here in the front with focusing, which is normal, and then, you know, the, the, the main lens? But then this part is wonderful. Instead of just changing slides, you have this, this, this fan of slides so that you just spin the wheel, and the slides we have here are all colored lithograph. They're not hand-painted. I like this one in particular because it's got the factory it was made at. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And that's very important, you know. You don't see that very often. And the whole thing is nickel-plated. Nickel was kind of the chrome of the Victorian era. Nickel and lacquered brass, which this is. And although it says it's an oil burner, it is, in fact, electric. It is a very early electric uh, machine. Uh, because these contacts here are all original, they were not added. Uh, the venting down here is to allow air to get into the heat lamp housing back there. And there is no place for the oil to have been. This was originally electric. Electric. Okay. Now, now, magic lanterns <laughs> like showy pieces. Uh, they love pieces that are unusual, but they don't like them to be too big either. I think conservatively, in an auction setting of early technology and of cameras, you'd easily get one thousand to one thousand five hundred dollars. But even I would not be at all surprised if the two, three, four, five collectors fight it out and it goes up even higher than that. It's a real collector's piece and a real beautiful piece of American technical history. Pretty good return for $35. Excellent return for $35. And <laughs> Sean. I did win, but I was still over by $6,000. One thousand really, to fifteen hundred. I am. I am very happy that even though Tim wasn't here, someone made a big choice with the voice they were going to do, <laughs> and stuck me with it. Stepping up to the plate, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, just FYI, once you had mentioned uh, uh, Japan metal, mm -hmm. I was like, I wonder what that is, and my Google algorithm algorithm knows me so well that it tried to show me Japanese metal bands. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't figure that out. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Japan metal, huh? I mean, is that maybe him just seeing Japanese metal and instead just came out Japan metal or something? <laughs> the transcript? I don't know. Uh, congrats to Sean. Uh, you've outdone yourself it. again um, on the Roadshow uh, yes. guessing game. Those are all the questions that we have for this session. Uh, does anyone have a take that they'd like to uh, end this week's show with. I, I have a take that I can end the show with. Go right ahead, Rich. We, we haven't had an episode of the Sweeten Show in a, in a minute. Yeah. So, um, I, I've, I've been back to work for about two months now. On a lot of video calls, or, or not video, or conference calls, training, things like that. Um, and anytime, I, I, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, anytime, like, the, uh, the trainer or whatever, mentions the fact like, alright, let's take a break, go get a coffee or something. If you don't drink coffee, you do not have to say that you're not a coffee drinker, okay? <laughs> get over yourself if you are not a coffee drinker. <laughs> now, 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 this isn't going against, like, uh, uh, President Tim Hansen, who's not a coffee drinker. He's not I one say, of those It's very people. convenient that you had this take as soon as he's not here. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is... This is a take that has been brewing for 
the past ah, two months. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just go with that. Uh, but like, it, it just drives me nuts. Like, this isn't to go against Tim or or anybody else in the core friend group who doesn't drink coffee because they're not somebody who acts. High. I don't drink coffee. No, this is the people who have to unmute their phones when somebody says go get a coffee and we'll be back in 10 minutes to be like well i don't drink coffee you know what you do drink you drink pepsi or coke or other soda and iced tea with sweetener in it that is much much worse than coffee so just get over yourself (laughs) you're not that special for not drinking coffee Mm -hmm. Ah, it's a good take uh, I think there's absolutely people like that. Do you think that they're also the same people who are very interested in telling you that they don't own it or watch television? Yes, De- definitely. They're close they're, cousins, at least. They're, they're al- they, they are also mm. the people who uh, reply all to emails when you don't need to. Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole nother circle <laughs> of hell <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, so the coffee is, is this happening frequently now? Is this it's, because they just want to announce the world that they're better than everyone? Or is this like a corporate thing where it's just like, this is the only joke you can get away with in a corporate setting is to be like, I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, a little like it's, it's supposed to be like the corporate joke. Like I don't even drink coffee. So what am I supposed to do for the next 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. But the way it comes out is all high and mighty. I don't drink coffee and like rolling their eyes at the fact and scoffing at people who don't drink coffee. But you know what? If I asked Tim if he wanted to go get a coffee, he'd say yes and get something else. He wouldn't say, well, I don't drink coffee. Mm-hmm. I'd be the trainer if somebody said, oh, I don't drink coffee. He's like, oh, well, you and I can keep going, Ben. Uh, I got, <laughs> I got just stuff I could train you on. Uh, it's a good take. It's a good take. Thanks. It's a good take. People need to stop defining themselves by what they don't do. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. I don't drink coffee. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Doesn't make you special. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Sorry, totally. Yeah. All right. That was an episode of the Sweeten Show, Rich. Uh, if people want to see more of your coffee-related or corporate, <laughs> uh, if anyone else would like to see your your coffee or uh, corporate takes on Twitter, where can they find you? At b underscore walnuts. How about you, Sean? At hey, it's sob. Uh, Tim Hansen is always uh, available on Twitter at Tim R Hansen, and you can follow me on Twitter at M Casnell. That's M K A S Z N E L. The podcast is available at Brose underscore Podcast on Twitter and at Brose Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can listen to our show anywhere where fine podcasts are bought and sold, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air. Just email it to brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Huge thanks, as always, to Mary O'Brien for compiling our questions. Shannon Vogel for designing our world-famous logo. Uh, You can find her work at Shannon Vogel Photography on Facebook or on Etsy.com. And our theme music is When by Steven Siebert. uh, And you can listen to his work at the Free Music Archive. Uh, Rich, what's going on with PodQuest these days? Uh, Come check out PodQuest, a nerdy roundtable where we talk about this week's news and other stuff we did. Uh, For this week, the new Avengers game comes out on Thursday, but I paid 10 extra dollars to be able to start playing it on Monday. So I'll be talking about that this week. I co-host the Keystone Coast to Coast Sports Podcast with my buddy Eddie Provident. Uh, we, we hope maybe an episode out in the next couple of uh, weeks on account of uh, a lot of 
wild stuff going on in uh, the NBA and the NHL, Major League Baseball recently. Uh, and uh, you may have noticed that on the last podcast episodes, I promoted a certain YouTube channel uh, that my voice has uh, appeared on from time to time. Uh, until they give me more work, I'm not giving them any more promotions. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, sorry, buddy. No free ads here. Uh, but hypothetically, you could go back and listen to our last three episodes if you want to hear the name of the channel uh, and which videos I did for them. All right. I have, I have, I have. Oh, you have a plug. I do have a plug. So Mary uh, has been doing a lot of work to help, uh, to help some people with some issues and I got to read for her. So bear with me. Okay. So Triana, her partner and their baby boy were recently at risk for homelessness after losing income due to the pandemic. The coalition for black trans financial liberation was able to help them find an apartment in a safe area with enough space for them to raise their son. They'll be able to move in on September 1st if they secure enough funds for the first and last month's rent and security deposit. As of A28, they're very close to their goal. However, because of having been displaced, they have almost no household or baby supplies. So P- please consider contributing by purchasing an item on their wish list. Uh, we'll post uh, a link to their registry uh, with, the, um, with this episode uh, because when this one comes, I think this episode is coming out on September 1st. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that goal hopefully will have been met by then. Uh, but we'll post uh, we'll post the link. We'll, it'll be up on our socials. So check that out too. You can help a family who has been negatively affected by um, negatively fe- affected by the pandemic. And also, I find uh, giving in these situations where you're buying a specific thing as opposed to just being like, "Here's five dollars." You know where it's going. You know what you're getting. You can be like, mm-hmm. "Here's here's some diapers," and that's you know that can be a little bit of a that's it's satisfying. Great. Yeah. It's satisfying in a way that just given, you know, five anonymous dollars isn't so much. Excellent yes. work. Excellent yeah. work by Mary and absolutely excellent cause and absolutely great initiative. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, that's it. That's yes. the episode. Say goodbye to the listeners. Bye. Bye to listeners. For Tim Hansen, Rich Sweet and Sean O'Brien and the entire action moves team. Moves. My name is Matt Casnell, reminding you to be smart about being stupid. 